if you're a true Phillies fan, winning today was never in doubt. Gabe Kapler would never manage a team to three straight victories at Citizens Bank Park. <laughs> hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. going on everybody welcome in to the underground for underground sports philadelphia episode number 324 kb and matt coming at you from underground studios got a lot to dive into from uh the san francisco giants almost making me wear a giants jersey tonight but the phillies came through thanks to an unlikely suspect if it wasn't 20 if it wasn't the 2020s right uh, we also have some rock, paper, scissors debates to get into and, uh, no Ben Simmons or Tobias Harris tonight for the Sixers. Uh, plus the super league is dead. So that's super dead, super dead, uh, which has to have you happy, Matt. And I'll let you get into all the super league discussions, uh, and how I figured out how to interpret everything because one simple video taught me everything I needed to know. Uh, but before we get started, Podcast would not be possible without our awesome sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, our friends over at Tomahawk Shades. Guys, summer's right around the corner. You know, sun's coming out, unlike today in South Jersey. Um, you guys can check out my Twitter for what went down at about 3 o'clock today. It looked like uh, the Pick 6 Lotto just overtook the also sky. 73 yeah. uh, two hours before that. Made no sense. <laughs> now it's 48. Uh, Tomahawk Shades is going to protect your eyes from any hail, rain, or sun coming down from the sky. They got the sunglasses. You see the blue light plus glasses on my eyes every single podcast. When I'm editing, when we're watching our favorite sports teams go to work, or if we're binging our favorite shows and movies, we got the Blue Light Plus glasses on from Tomahawk Shades. Go check them out, tomahawkshades.com. And when you go to check out, use our promo code USP to get 25% off your order at tomahawkshades.com. That's promo code USP at tomahawkshades.com for 25% off your entire order from our friends at Tomahawk Shades, a quality product for an affordable price. And you guys know... Underground Sports Philadelphia is sponsored by Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and is now available in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Australia, New Zealand, and the European Union. We have an exclusive offer for our audience. You guys know, use code USP to get 20% off and free international shipping at manscaped.com. Join the movement and the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped. And did you guys know one guy every hour, every day is diagnosed with testicular cancer? So this is a reminder for all you men out there listening to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Manscaped, in addition to providing the right tools and solutions for safe and easy manscaping, 
has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to spread awareness for men's health and early cancer detection. Together, TCS and Manscaped are committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men ages 15 to 35, big chunk of our listening demographic, and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. While you're down there cleaning up your sack, why not go ahead and give them a little investigation for lumps, changes in size, or any pain, and I think we can all agree it's pretty fun playing with your balls anyway. Manscaped recommends you check yourself once a month, and if you guys do feel any lumps or swelling, please give your doctor a call. In addition to checking yourself regularly, you want to make sure your sack is looking fresh and clean with the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Inside the Perfect Package, you'll find products and liquid formulations that have been developed to turn your bathroom into a salon for your balls. All liquid formulations use only the best ingredients. Some of these liquid tools include the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing deodorant for your balls, the Crop Reviver, a spray-on ball toner and refresher, and of course the Perfect Package 3.0 includes the anti-chafing performance boxers to keep your package cool and feeling fresh. Join the Manscaped movement and start taking care of your balls today. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with our code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code USP at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. And Matt, I'm pretty sure the whole Super League news had you on edge and, and ready to grab reaching for the bottle, the bottle of stateside vodka, the fastest growing craft spirit in Pennsylvania and proud partners with underground sports, Philadelphia. They're currently closed due to COVID, uh, but they have a full bar restaurants and they offer distillery tours weekly. Sounds like a perfect spot to go watch a Liverpool game. Once they open back up, they're seven times distilled certified gluten free blended with electrolytes, making it the first vodka on the market with a mineral composition on the same spectrum of electrolytes found in that sports drink that starts with a G plus for the first actively hydrating vodka on the market. And they've won awards for best package in the world. So go to statesidevodka.com right now. Put the one liter bottles into your cart so you guys can get our discount 10% off those bad boys with promo code USP at statesidevodka.com. That's the one liter bottles of vodka at statesidevodka.com to get 10% off with our code USP. You must be 21 or older to purchase. And of course, guys, please drink responsibly. Matt, the Phillies, they've been giving me headaches. They've been giving everybody headaches. And people, you know, with Gabe Kapler in town have started to to strum up the conversations about Joe Girardi's managerial moves and everything he's been doing with this team since he got here. Uh, but let's start on the positives. Mickey Moniak hit his first career home run today. Yeah. The M&M boys, by the way, as yes. uh, Girardi has been um, striking today. Yeah, uh, Mickey Moniak, with his two hits so far, has been our most productive uh, <laughs> center fielder of the season. So uh, he hasn't had like the the lightning start you maybe would have wanted from him, but also it's been better um, by orders of magnitude. Yes, by anything we've had so far. So I've been happy with him. Obviously, you know, big confidence push. I think today getting your first home run, and uh, you expect that to kind of spur him on now, but. Uh, good to not get swept yes. <laughs> by uh, not just Gabe Kapler, but the Giants um, at home. That would have been a, a brutal one to take for sure. And it sucks because we were talking about how we're so tired of playing, um, you know, the Mets and the Braves, the Mets and the Braves, and, you know, finally get a break now with the, you know, some different teams to then, you know, 
completely get swept in your second series out of that would have uh, been brutal. Um, yeah, the, the Gabe Kapler stuff is weird because I never thought that he was terrible here, but mm-hmm. I also didn't see the future with him. It felt like it had sort of just run its course, and it wasn't necessarily his fault at any point. I don't think. I don't. I don't think he did anything necessarily to be fired. Truthfully, I don't. I don't. I think he clearly didn't have like a tight grip on the locker room mm-hmm. again. I can't stress this enough. People were playing Fortnite in the yeah. middle of games. Like that's not acceptable. That I made just, Carlos Santana smash TVs. Yeah, I just don't see how it got to that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's also been issues during that time period with lots of roster building and and the strange analytical information relay that it was right. like the wrong information. So like, like you said, it, it wasn't all on Gabe, but. It, it didn't feel like there was like a an ultimatum of like he's gonna work out here. And also like, there's no need to be a revisionist about it either. Like we weren't a good yeah. team then. It's not like we had. It's not like he he never showed like a sign to me like wow like this guy is gonna be great. Mm-hmm. Like it was like all right like talks a good game but you know like what the thing about baseball managers especially is that at the end of the day, like it's always, it's always an old guy that's doing mm-hmm. it anyway. Like you look at like the most successful managers in, in major league history. It's always like a dude in his fifties. And that's not yeah. to say that a young guy obviously can't do it. Right. Like that's stupid. But it, to me, it doesn't, you don't, it's not like the NFL, right. Where we're seeing this transition to like younger coaches that are like more willing to adapt and be flexible. But, and you're seeing that in a lot of other sports as well, where it's like, but baseball doesn't seem to be having that issue because I, I still think at the end of the day, what matters a lot, especially in regular season baseball, and a lot of the analytic decisions get taken out of the manager's hands because they're managers, not really coaches. They're not making these like, you know, these these kind of decisions that in other sports maybe you have to make about like statistics and things like that, like really like deep line thing. They have there's so much more of infrastructure just because of the way baseball is that that's not really their choice necessarily to make all the time. And I don't know. I just think the, a lot of the appeal in Gabe Kapper was simply that he was young and attractive and he spoke well. <laughs> and that, then yeah. that was really it. I don't know. There's been like the very few young guys who have done it even like the last decade. You look at who's won the World Series. It was Bruce Bochy, Tony LaRusso, Bruce Bochy, John Farrell, Bruce Bochy, Ned Yost, Joe Madden, AJ Hinch, Alex Cora, the two younger guys, and Dave one, Martinez. And one of those is, uh, so both of them. Both of them have some pretty huge asterisks. Yeah. On. Uh, Dave Martinez with the Nationals, and then Dave Roberts last year in the Mickey Mouse World Series. So it's just at the end of the day, you know. And also, I, I saw like people uh, saying that the last two years of Joe Girardi, it's like you cannot convince me that last season even, counts. Yeah. <laughs> like you really can't. It was 60 games. Come on. What are we doing here? Yeah. We you can't even The dude has not even had a half season total amount of games managing the Phillies. Like let's just relax. Yeah. It, <laughs> Before we run him out of town. I don't ha, know. Has there been some questionable decisions to Absolutely. start this season? Absolutely. Like Playing Andrew Neb at second base, but did, did they also not watch Gabe Kapler tie up the game right. yesterday with like these like these procedural questions? Like we're in a court case. Like come on, like at the end of the day, like in 162 games, you're gonna have games where guys make poor decisions. Has Joe already shown through the course of his career that he makes good decisions overall and can like make a team win games? Yes. So I don't know what the um. I just don't get like what the the appeal is in in trying to run someone out. I think again. You know, a lot of the issues with this team are not in the same 
deal that Gabe Kapler had where the issues with this team are not his fault. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he, he didn't get to come. He didn't choose to come into the season with the, the four and five pitching in the state that it was. He didn't choose to come into the season with center field weight as now you could blame him for not adjusting and just trying to do anything other than throw Roman Quinn out there time and time again. Like that deserves criticism for sure. But at the end of the day, like he's not in charge of roster decisions. It's not like he's again, one of these NFL coaches that has like GM responsibilities where now the blame does fall on you. Like you're supposed to be drafting and signing free agents and developing like, no, that's not, <laughs> that's mm -hmm. not his role. Theater can simply be defined as someone performing something for someone else. Theater also refers to the space designated for said performance. The term theater can also describe the process in which live performances are created. Acting, directing, producing, designing, all fall under this umbrella of theater. But to a kid in high school, theater can mean so much more. Join us as we draw back the curtain and reveal what I like to call the magic behind the magic. This is Curtain Talk. Yeah, he, he was, like, touted up to be, like, the the veteran manager who was going to come in, kind of change the clubhouse culture, and we'll put the pieces around you that need to be fixed. And, like you said, center field was not addressed this offseason. The four and five spots in the rotation, you know, Chase Anderson, I think, is kind of what you expected, but Matt Moore has been a disaster. And now you're going to Colorado this coming weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and your first game, because Matt Moore is on the COVID-injured list, is going to be started by Vince Velasquez. And that hasn't helped either, too, that you had the some of the COVID stuff and also injuries now, too. Like, Gene being out is not ideal. You know, we kind of hope that Didi's back for this Colorado series. So that's that's going to be, you know, but this wasn't a deep team either. You know, like, and again, is that Joe Girardi's fault? Not really. <laughs> like, yeah, it's uh, it, it's just difficult. And ultimately, too, we're 20, we're not even 20 games in the season. Yeah, like, 18. <laughs> It's just weird. Yeah, I've seen a lot with the Yankees, too, where, like, uh, Yankees fans have been, like, really, really critical, right? And I mean, the Yankees, they're always going to be under a microscope, and no matter what, like, mm -hmm. Aaron Boone could, like, lead them to, like, winning the next 100 games, and he'd still fall under criticism, right? Because it's just the nature of, of the job. But, like, you're, you're not even 20 games in the season. It's baseball, for Christ's sake. Like, we have this every... I remember the Nationals here, they won the World Series. Started out terribly. Mm -hmm. We were dunking on them. We were having a field day all the way through, like, June. Yeah. And they turned it around. Like, it's way too early to start making these, like, these these claims about managers and how you need to move on from them and things like that. Like, that just seems stupid to me. It really does. Yeah, it... it and it mostly doesn't fall on Joe. It's like the options that he's given. And, and you hear it in the press conferences that he has after games. It's like, these are the guys I'm dealt. This is what I have to work with, and that's what I got to do. It's not like he can just pull a, a all-star caliber center fielder out of thin air. he's been way more professional about it than Gabe ever was. Gabe yeah. was not above throwing people under the bus and making, like, very, I think, damaging confidence decisions, especially towards pitchers. I mean, like, we had, like... Every week there was an article coming out from a pitcher, and they weren't even doing it like sources within the clubhouse say. Like they were coming out saying, like, 
yeah, like the way that we're being managed is absolutely mm-hmm. killing my confidence. Like, yeah, Joe Girardi at least has had some tact with how he deals with the press, and he's not quite as direct and blunt about Gabe again, which. I get that people like that sometimes about Gabe that he would give like straight answers, right? But I I just think you know it's it's weird to see people. We're five hundred. I would have taken that at this point in the season. You're in a good position still in the division. I, like everything's in your control still. Why are you freaking out? I think the only thing that worries me is um, the hitting has not like, yeah. turned around yet. And again, now with the injuries too, like you have D D two hottest like, hitters like outside of Bryce, right? Like that's not ideal but again i have to imagine that that just fixes there's no way this team is that bad at it um i have to imagine that turns around at a point alec bohm is gonna like get hot i'm sure like i think reese will have uh you know one of his like three four week runs i you know i think that's the only thing holding this team back you look at everything else this team is like i think met expectations Mm -hmm. so far i don't think it's been anything um i haven't been disappointed yeah it hasn't been like rip your hair out like i'm done like right you I know. saw they. I was listening last night, and they they put out a stat. I think I think they're now eight and one in games where they've led after six innings. Mm-hmm. Which, if you had said that coming in the season, like yeah, we'll have that for the entire year. <laughs> we'll have like <laughs> we'll have eight wins after leading after six. I would have taken that because yeah. that was not. I don't know what the numbers were last year, but I would be very shocked if we had that in in that 60 game span if yeah, we had eight there's wins no after way because it just didn't happen especially because of the bullpen so there's been market improvement this year in that area already and i don't know i just i i don't see i'm happy to be negative <laughs> like yeah i'm fine with being critical but it feels like just way too early it was yelling at clouds for like no real reason because the issues that we thought were going to be here are still here yeah and in my mind what's the point in complaining about that I, i'd like, say the only new issue is the injuries right which is out of everyone's control no yeah, one can control people getting up. hurt no one can control people going on covid lists that's just the way it's going to be you know yeah like the, the the two main issues which we've like beat into the ground week in and week out is center field and Mickey Moniak getting those two hits today certainly gives you a boost of confidence right. for how things are going to go. And then figuring out this pitching situation. Like, is it going to be Spencer Howard who bumps up from out of the bullpen and goes into the starting rotation? I just don't see how they can, even when he comes back, how they can continue to throw Matt Moore out there. It is just, when you see that he's pitching, you know it's an automatic loss because, like we said, the offense ah, hasn't gotten started yet. He did beat Jacob DeGrom, though. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Two Titans. <laughs> but I do think Connor Brogdon got the win, so. Yeah, but, you know. Wins aren't a real stat. Yes. Uh, but it, it almost feels like it, it's just like it takes the wind out of the sails whenever you see his name ready yeah. to go out there because you know what's going to happen. It's going to be you know, a ton of walks. That's been a huge issue for Matt Moore this year. And he just, it makes him come out of the game way earlier than expected. And then it taxes the bullpen. And when you really need the bullpen, like a game last night, you have Connor Bragg and have one of those slump games and it costs you a win. Yeah. It's, it is frustrating because, you know, I firmly believe that Spencer Howard should be taking his spot. I thought that before the season that I would, I would rather, bet on the young guy that you're trying to develop than like your your guy you're taking a flyer on mm-hmm. and that's in any sport like just develop the guy what's the point what's the point in like 
making these picks and making these selections, if you're not at least going to like throw them up there, it's the same thing with Mickey Moniak. And I think that's an unexpected positive this season so far too. And it's not obviously came partly because of injury, but you know, Mickey Moniak being up this early, like is good because again, we talked last time that we weren't, we, in the beginning of the year, we weren't even sure when we'd see them. We thought like, I, you know, high expectation like best case scenario would be memorial day mm-hmm. we're seeing him a month and a half before even yeah. like best case scenario so 18 like, games into the season like that's great you know like that's that's really good and i think spencer howard could be the same way i didn't think spencer howard looked terrible last year i think he looked like i think it was just the injury that yeah kind of derailed him a bit and then they want to take it cautiously but i mean he's going if you have him go out there every fifth day and throw five innings What's the harm, you know? Yeah. Like, just just let the guy... It can't really be much worse than... It's like the Mickey Moniak thing. Like, is has Mickey Moniak come up and light this team on fire? No. He hasn't provided, like, that boom spark. Yet. Yet <laughs> right? Yeah, right. But, like, he's... Exactly. He's not going to come up in, like, his third MLB game. Right. Like, have a, a masterclass performance, of course. He's still young. And guess what? Even if he hasn't been great, he's been he's literally been like three times better than what we had. So I don't want to tell him you experience against major league pitching, right? Which has been, you know, the thing that we've wanted from these young players that have been talked about for the past couple of years is give them the major league experience, let them kind of figure things out at the major league level, and if they don't, let them go back down and figure right. it out. But let them get their feet wet and and see what they can provide. And the way that Mickey Moniak played in spring training leading up to the season, it blew my mind that he didn't make the roster. Yeah, it's was, it was a little bit puzzling. And I think the thing that can't be forgotten either is we played a pretty strong schedule. Mm-hmm. Like the the two teams we played in the NL East have both been picked as division winners, and the Giants are you know, like could very well be like they were a wild card contender last year. Like could be in the very same spot. Like it's not like we've played the the worst teams you know in either league so far. Like. You know, it's 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 certainly been a, a pretty difficult start. It gets a little easier at the weekend, but still, like, it's not like, you know, we've been dropping these, like, when we go and play the Marlins and we lose those games, then you're going to be pissed off, right? Yes. But, you know, like, outside of that, it's not like you've played, like, these awful teams, these teams that you don't expect to be competitive. I think every team we've played so far this year, between the Braves, Mets, Cardinals, and Giants, if you told me any of them are in the playoffs, I'd be like, yeah. Like, 100%. <laughs> like, they, any of those teams could be playoff teams. Yeah, I mean, oddly enough, the Cardinals are two games under five hundred. The Giants are 11-7. and seven. The Braves are in last place, and that's probably because the Phillies swept them to right. open the season. And then the Mets are a first-place team, but they played less games because they were playing the Nationals opening week, and they got delayed. Right. So, it's just it's just weird, you know, the, I don't know, just the, the, the criticism so far this season. Um but I think there's there's plenty to be optimistic about. Again, though, the NL East, uh, we did this a little bit last year. We talked about the just absolutely insane run differential comparison yes. between our division and everyone else's. Division leading Mets at negative two, the <laughs> Phillies at negative seven. The NL Central, the Brewers leading with a plus 22 differential. The Reds with a plus 23 the Dodgers leading the NLMS with a plus 38. <laughs> the Red Sox leading their division uh, with a plus 30. <laughs> the Royals hanging tough with a negative 7 run difference there we at the go. top. White Sox with a plus 14. And uh, the AL West actually very similar. Two negative threes at the top and a plus 5 at the Angels. But, you know, like, 
just again, it's the NL East just being ugly and dumb. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's one of those things that we said too. It's going to be arguably the most competitive division in all of baseball it is because a rock all <laughs> all of these teams are good at certain things. Whether it's the Mets with their pitching, the Phillies with their top three pitching and their hitting, the Braves hitting, the Nationals have pieces, and the Marlins have young pitching. When they face each other, it's going to kind of counterbalance, and it's going to be whoever has, you know, more to overpower the other team on that given day. Right. So it's it's going to be a, a pretty close division, I think, for, for most of the year. So, again, you know, I'd rather just have the wins, just keep performing well. And, again, you know, if you looked at most people's predictions, most people would have put the Phillies at, like, 85 to 87 wins. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. You're on that mark. Like it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that I think those are those were totally reasonable win estimates that probably put you in the playoffs and you're you're on that pathway. So I don't get it. Yeah, and I mean you have a weekend series in Colorado which who knows, knows how that'll that go. Is gonna look like. <laughs> who knows if the games will even get played. Uh but I mean you'll have Aaron Noel on the mound, which is a positive. We'll see how he pitches in Colorado, but if the bats don't get going in Colorado, then we have a bit of an issue. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but you expect that at some point you're, you're gonna you're gonna get to that point. So yeah, and then following that you get the Cardinals again for four, but this time in St. Louis, and then you go back home to play the Mets. Can't get enough of the Mets. <laughs> a disgusting schedule. <laughs> And it doesn't get easier. When's the first time we play like a terrible team? When do we get like an this actual, weekend? Colorado, yeah, they're I, six and twelve, but it is in Colorado, so you have that aspect. Um, you get the Marlins mid-May, but like in that. Philly's terms, it's not <laughs> terrible. Um, you get the Blue Jays in, I think it's Dunedin that they're playing in at their triple at their uh, spring training facility because they're not allowed to play in Canada. Um, the Red Sox are are good this year. The Rays are still good. Man. This 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 past I, series, I, I'm against, just I'm looking at the schedule going forward. I'm like Jesus Christ, it's tough. <laughs> you get the Padres a bunch of times in here. The Cubs aren't that great, so like July, look forward to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also love Matt that everybody's jumping on board with us to go sign Cole Hamels. Hey, hey it's listen, almost like we talked about it, I and then people I don't were like, take credit for it, of course. But oh yeah, that guy's still out there. And I think it's very fitting that during the rain delay today, they just so happened to have at the ready Jim Salisbury sit down with Cole Hamels to play during the rain delay. Very interesting. Very interesting timing on that. You know, it's... uh, I'm actually surprised that um, 
the game didn't get postponed today, by the way. Me well. too. The rain, like, I truly thought, I was like, all right. I saw it was, like, got delayed after two innings. I was like, ah, this, this is going to be a wash, isn't it? Yeah. And I was bummed because Eflin was dealing again. Right. Looking good. He's looking good. Yes, he has. Um, and that's been the biggest benefit for this team, too, pitching-wise, is you can truly, like, rely on the top three guys to get you where you need to be, and then it just comes down to the offense. And Say then, a prayer. You know. This this giant series, I think, frustrated me more because all three games were winnable. Right. You know, first game of the series, you lose two nothing. You shouldn't lose a game two nothing to the Giants, especially when, like, most of this series, if not all of it, all of the Giants' runs came on home runs. Prevent the long ball, right. and you're you're sitting pretty with a three game sweep. You should be able to score more than two runs against this Giants pitching staff. Tuesday night was a debacle. That was just a that was the one Girardi like mix up that I was kind of scratching my head like why do you leave Connor Brogdon in after right. giving up that first home run? Um and then today they luckily, you know, eked one the, out. The Andrew Knapp redemption story too. <laughs> Who would have thought Andrew Knapp, you know, talk about the roaring 20s. Yeah. It's for Andrew Knapp because <laughs> pre-2020 he was yeah. Everybody wanted him out of here. The rise of the dollar bill. <laughs> uh, but I think that's the most frustrating thing for me with, with this series against the Giants is you easily could have swept them. You easily should have taken two out of three, and you end up losing the series and having to salvage it on a, a game-winning hit. It's the way it goes, though. You know? like you, could, you could make the same – if you're a Braves fan, you made the yeah. same case for both of those series almost. Like, you know, like it's just – so you get yours and you get yours taken away from you too. Like it's at the end of the day, you're going to lose some series. You're gonna, we're going to win some series this season that we probably had no business winning. Um, yeah, it sucks. I, I agree. But at the end of the day, still you're not in the worst position, you know? And uh, again, you, you you have a potential get right series this weekend, you either win or sweep and you, you got yourself in a good position to, especially now you want to get back to start playing uh, interdivision games in the next like month, so I think the Phillies are still in a good spot. Yeah, so Friday it'll be Vince Velasquez versus Herman Marquez, <sighs> Aaron Nola versus Antonio Sensatella on Saturday, and then Sunday three ten uh, start. It'll be Chase Anderson versus hopefully future Philly John Gray. Vince Velasquez, man, that worries. Me. That <laughs> Just worries a little me. bit. Vince Velasquez on a Friday night. <laughs> A little scary. Stars come out when the lights yeah, shine yeah, bright, baby. Yeah, I heard that. I've heard that before. <laughs> and we, we literally talked about that last Wednesday where it's like the pitching depth is so minuscule that if somebody does get hurt, it's going to be Vince Velasquez. And here we are, Vince Velasquez, back in the starting rotation. Time's a flat circle. It really is. Uh, Sixers still in first place. Yes, sir. Doing the damn thing. Um. They are currently playing without Ben Simmons, without Tobias Harris, but Joel Embiid is playing. Um, Down 28-27 almost at the end of the first quarter. Not surprising. I think this is a, you know, leaving Ben Tobias out of the starting lineup is a move to focus on the Bucks games. Phoenix in the Western Conference doesn't really affect you that much, um, but I, I can definitely see Doc Rivers wanting to sweep the Bucks in this two-game series. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was like the the big test week, right? You know, in terms of of who they're playing, and um, you know, 
playing some. Obviously, the Warriors were hot. Mm-hmm. Steph is having like just I don't know <laughs> an his out runs, of body experience. Yeah, his runs that he he's apt to go on, and then you get the Suns and the Bucks. You know, two of the the top teams in their respective conferences. So, you know, you want to you want to be a little smart in how you you plan for that. And yeah, I mean. It's amazing that they still like have the the number one spot because I think yeah. you would a bet. And I mean, the Nets now have some injury issues. Like Harden has this hamstring thing, which there's no set timetable. He's going to be back for the playoffs, mm-hmm. you know, more than likely. But hamstrings can linger. Like that's like not yeah. a, um, you know, that's not a an injury that just it's not like goes a, away. A, it's not like you know. You break something, right? Like you right. break your, your hand, and it's like, oh, you just got to. There's wait. like no finite timetable. Right. Like you, th- those those can be anything, you know, and, and can linger on and and take away some of your explosiveness. So, you know, I don't. I Aldridge don't, retires. Aldridge since retires. The last time scary, we were live, right? Like, yeah, it's um, it's 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 an interesting situation at the top now too, the East, just because you have that dynamic going on where the Nets have been like crowned prematurely because mm-hmm. they obviously have like obscene offensive talent, but like. KD's injured. I think they've played seven games yeah. with the, with the the big three. Now again, they could all just meet up in the playoffs and run through the East. That's like a part of this reality. But mm-hmm. also, like we've seen it with super teams so much in the past. It happens every time that a, a new like super team gets formed, pretty much. That like they start the season like thirteen and ten. Yeah, and like the head coach is under fire now, and people are saying, "Oh, see, this is why you don't do it." And then they like win like twenty out of their next like. Th- it's like, like the 25. Sixers beating the Heat in that first game of the right the Miami Heat trio. Yeah, the Heat. I mean, the Heat started like pretty poorly. Yeah, right? they were only a few games over five hundred after like twenty games, and everyone is like, like you know, that was the most hated team that yeah. I've ever. Michael seen Carter in my Williams life. beats <laughs> right. The, the dynasty but you see heat. that all the time with these these top teams that there's an adjustment period it doesn't matter how good of a player you yeah. are it doesn't matter like you you have to adjust to having to to work through all that and i don't know i, I just feel like the playoffs is not the ideal time to have to make that adjustment right you know it's better to have had some of those things sorted out through the course of the regular season so you have to keep that in mind with the nets but ultimately the Sixers are control of their own destiny. They can they can beat any team in a seven game series. I truly believe that. It's just up to them to actually do it. W- will they? Who knows? But I I I genuinely believe the Sixers can beat any team in a seven game series. I really do. George Hill finally, <laughs> Jesus, finally makes his debut in a Sixers uniform. I'm starting to think he wasn't real, right? And it was like he was on the sidelines waiting to get in, and finally makes his debut. Um, which I think is a, a positive for this team to get him involved into some of these hypothetical like playoff rotations during some of these key games that the Sixers have down the stretch, get him some chemistry with Joel Embiid because that's kind of where we see him fitting in best is, you know, working with Embiid in those types of lineups, having him as kind of a three-point closer shooter, you know, just adding to this lineup, um, you know, that's what you want to see from a guy you acquired a month and a half ago. <laughs> yeah, it's great to it's great to finally have him in the room, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's it's good to have him obviously integrated now and playing with the team. And yeah, his role is definitely going to be someone that can take over when Ben has rest and gives you like an option now to kind of stagger some minutes in, a, in maybe a better way, a more fruitful way. Um, I think the big story too has been Corkmaz has just been... Uh, <laughs> 
Um, Talking about out of body experience. I mean, you know, I saw a really funny comparison that Andrew Knapp is becoming the cork of the uh, the Phillies. <laughs> and I think there's there's some good there's some good juice there for sure. Um, the Ferk has been on fire, which is great, and it's good it's good obviously to have the like um, like kind of the role players right like step up in like big moments. We've seen that with Matisse like defensively uh, this year. It's I think still been very 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 good. Uh, obviously you want more of the offensive end, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, this team is playing well, their top team in the East, things are going smoothly. I don't know. It's, it's strange. Yeah. Uh, this is normally the part of the season where we're like dreading, you know, what's next. Yeah. And it's kind of been just like, can't wait for the playoffs right. now. It's, it's been probably since that, that 16 game winning streak going into the playoffs that we felt this way about like, Hey, let's just, let's get into the dance yeah. and, and get this thing going. And hopefully there's a much better outcome than 2018. Um, but yeah, you talk about Cork like, hello, playoff rotation. Like, yeah, if he keeps playing like this for the playoffs to have George Hill, Cork and Seth Curry being able to shoot the way they do, that's a weapon that the Sixers have not had in the Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons playoff era. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's been um it's been a revelation to have him playing the way that he has. How consistent can he be with that? Who knows? And I think the one question mark obviously you have to have about any playoff interest with him is um like the defensive aspect, but he could certainly, you're right, see some time in the playoffs, especially if you're talking like first round games. But yeah, I think that what the playoff rotation ends up being is certainly gonna be interesting. Um a lot of that is obviously going to depend on on who we play. Um, obviously, with the playoff uh, play-in games now for the playoffs, like that adds a little wrinkle to that. You don't automatically know who you're going to have right off the bat, um, and that could obviously like lead to some interesting second-round matchups too. You know, depending on on way the way that things bounce. But yeah, I, I am looking forward to the playoffs more than I have in years past, just because I feel like this team is a lot more complete, and beat is having such a stellar year that. It feels like, you know, it, it feels like it could be special. But, you know, like this team, this conference is really difficult. We can't lose sight of that either. Like, you know, like this is a, a very, very stacked conference. And whoever, if you make it out of here, you're going to have to face a juggernaut of, of any kind coming out of the West. So it's not going to be easy. Yeah. And I mean, you look at the East, every team that is in the playoff picture right now has at least one like superstar caliber player. You know, maybe not the Knicks, but Julius Randle's had a, a right. very good season this year. Um, the Hornets might be getting LaMelo Ball back before the playoffs. You know, each team has, like, their own specialty, and the Sixers obviously want to hold on to that one seed so everybody just comes on through the Wells Fargo Center. Yeah, I I, I can't I saw, I saw the stat the other night about how good they've been when the starting five is played, and when the starting five is played at home, it's even better. Um, that has just continued, so... Uh, when when we have the desired starting lineup, this team again, I truly believe can beat anyone mm-hmm. in a seven game series. I really do believe that. Like, give me your Brooklyn Nets, give me your Los Angeles Lakers. I I really think this team will they? Am I saying they will certainly do it? No, but they they have the potential mm-hmm. to do it. They absolutely do. They're the most complete Sixers team that we've had right 
you know, in this era Much of more Sixers balanced. basketball. Like, like, way more balanced across than the board. They, do they still have weaknesses? Absolutely. Like, there's still, like, ways you can exploit the Sixers team. That's not – that hasn't changed. But I feel like they're much better across the board than they've been since they've, like, had the, you know, the resurgence now from the process. And it's been, like, night and day just on the road alone. Like, you look at their road record this year, they're five games above 500 on the road, which, which is – Last year we were we were hoping we for would have loved five games, games under. under. <laughs> that would have been good. Like they're 17, 17 and twelve on the road, and I think we were like ten and twenty two yeah, on the road. We were or like bottom of like the that. barrel on the road with you know teams like the Magic and the Cavaliers yeah. and the Pistons. We were a lottery team on the road, <laughs> and at home we were like the best team in the NBA. It's unbelievable. It, it is unreal what their ability to like perform on the road has done for just the overall view of this team and I think a lot of people don't necessarily look at it that way but like just imagine last year's team as much as we hated that team if they were even like we said five games under 500 on the road rather than having like five wins on the road right like it's just been it's been a, a real 180 I think a lot of that has to do with the the coaching change mm-hmm. you, you can't de- like undervalue either just how much of a it was they weren't like huge moves right like getting rid of like Horford and and bringing in Danny Green and getting Seth Curry and all this but we all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons but what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Like this team just just exists so much better <laughs> as currently constructed that constructed than it did last year. It just really does. Not not to to slander the guys that aren't here anymore, but like I they, we just have way way better fits this season than we did last year. Truly. Yeah, and I mean you look at this year too. Like Mavs fans thought Josh right. Richardson was gonna like turn things around, and unfortunately it hasn't worked out for him there. It's, it's been it's been kind of the same story that it was for us where like you get so the idea of Josh Richardson I think is better than the action and I think he's still like a fine player mm-hmm. but I just he's think like nothing like he was in Miami yeah he, he gets kind of oversold on this like production that I don't I just don't think he's gonna have on like a team like he has to be on a team where he's like a second option to have mm-hmm. that kind of, of production it's just not you're not gonna have that yeah, on a winning kind of like championship aspiring type of team George Hill hit his first three as a Sixer. It's in the books. Uh, last bit on the Sixers, too. I think it's pretty funny that Jimmy Butler uh, seems like he kind of misses us. You know, I'm, I, I I won't lie. I miss Jimmy Butler, too. A little bit. <laughs> Those six months were a lot of fun. They were. <laughs> uh, but he seems to be uh, a little frustrated down in Miami. And, hey, can't blame you. When you're not at the top, it's a little tough down there. You get great winners, though. That's very true. Uh, George Hill also wearing number 33 because can't wear number three, even though the reason he wears it is Allen Iverson. Right. 
so he's rocking 33. Tobias Harris's old number. Um, I'll let you take the floor, Matt. The Super League <laughs> took the world by storm. Uh, your your Liverpool boys were going to be part of it, and now it is absolutely dead. Yeah, in the mud, as they say. Um, Shout out B-Ball Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess the best way to introduce it is to give an analogy of what it even means. And I think the close, it's so hard because like European soccer setup is so much different than anything we have in America. Mm-hmm. The only way I think I can explain it, the only way that it makes some kind of sense is if like the blue bloods of college basketball, like your Kentucky's North Carolina, Duke, whoever, UCLA, like think of just the best teams perennially. They are like in Michigan state, like, if these teams decided, instead of playing in March Madness, which we all accept is, like, the premier mm-hmm. tournament, that is what everyone looks to and thinks, that is, how, like, that is what everyone wants to watch, that's where the best teams play, they decide that they aren't going to play in that anymore, they're going to make their own tournament, where no matter how they do in the regular season in their conference, they qualify for this tournament, so there's, so, Duke would have been in it this year, even though they weren't having Kentucky. a good year, Kentucky, like, these teams have missed out. And no matter what, for every year they're going to be in this tournament, this tournament is going to get them a ton of money. They're still going to get to play in their conferences just like they normally would. Um, but they're going to get to make all this money now and get like be much more rich, obviously, than anyone else that isn't it, part of this Super League. Um, and it was just a way to kind of break away from one of the current competitions, which is the Champions League, which there's tons of infighting about. The biggest thing to know is that everyone on both sides sucks. Like UEFA <laughs> and FIFA suck. They're very corrupt. But the billionaires who are running the clubs also suck for making the decision because it's anti-competitive. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, it was just them trying to make a way so that they could possibly never lose money and always come out on top and not have to actually be super competitive, right? Like a lot of these owners as well like have ownership in other teams. Funny enough, John Henry is... Uh, part of Fenway Sports Group, who obviously owned the Red Sox. Xander Bogarts actually was in his press conference wearing a Liverpool jersey, talking about what a disgrace it was about what they did. And John Henry was there. <laughs> um, so shout out to Xander Bogarts for the dig, because that was great. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Stan Kroenke, right, like famously pulled the the Rams away from St. Louis mm-hmm. to L.A., like owns Arsenal, a team that was involved in the Super League. The Glazers, who own Manchester United, also own the Buccaneers, like, so they're used to this like American style where all those teams I just named are competitive and good and you know have the Buccaneers just won the Super Bowl. Super Rams Bowl, right? Have been to a Super Bowl. Right. But at the end of the day, you don't actually have to be competitive in American sports to make money. And I was actually talking about this with my brother and I tried explaining to him like if the the imagine the original six NHL teams mm-hmm. just made their own competition, their own league that they can compete in to make more money, but still we're like, hey, we're gonna play in the NHL still. Don't worry. And and then it's almost like say like that, like if the the New York Rangers started like two and ten in the NHL, they're not gonna let their best players play in the NHL. They're just gonna play in focus on whatever Super League yeah. they made. He and he said, actually, I would like that because I'm tired of paying for the Florida Panthers <laughs> to exist. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing is, you know, these owners don't want the problem that they see, especially with like soccer in Europe, is that everything is really performance based. So to get into like the Champions League, which gives you lots of prize money, you have to finish at a certain position within your league. Mm-hmm. So you have to finish typically in the top four to get into the Champions League, which is going to give you a lot of that good revenue money. 
just have a bad year, an unlucky year even, you know, like a year with COVID, let's say, right? Like, let's say you have an outbreak, so you have tons of injuries, and you just get unlucky, then you feel aggrieved that you aren't in the premier competition making all this money. You want to find a way to make sure that you always make money no matter what. So ultimately, it was... And it really just went against like the spirit of, of what, like, especially like it's, it's a very different vibe when you talk about like what clubs mean to people there as, as opposed to teams in America. Like there's just not the same sense of community. Mm -hmm. I think the only thing that comes close is like college football and that like people really feel like religiously attached, especially when you talk about like SEC programs or like some of the big 12 programs, like. And from a soccer perspective, you could say like the Sons of Ben, like right, is yeah, like the closest, exactly. like, like you, you, but like it's a really like passionate community mm -hmm. based, not just like I love the Eagles, right. I you know I love tailgating at Eagles, like it's a it's it's just a different vibe. So this this obviously, and the even worse thing about it is, it was all the owners that made this decision, the managers, even people that were like sporting directors, Paolo Maldini, who's like one of the best defenders of all time, Italian player. Uh, is a sporting director for AC Milan, another one of these teams that was going into the Super League. A guy with a lot of pull at the club, who makes a lot of important decisions, had no clue about this decision. It was just made, and then they, uh, especially uh, yesterday, Liverpool played on Monday, right when all this broke. Jurgen Klopp is now having to answer for this when he yeah. had no clue. And it, you know, it, so everyone was aggrieved by this because. Players were caught off guard. Fans were caught off guard. This has been rumored for like a, a long time That's now, actually. Too. Like this has been like bubbling for years even, but especially in the last year, especially with COVID. And that was, a, again, just kind of rubbing salt in the wood has been these billionaires complaining about all the revenue they lost during COVID. It's like, you're a billionaire. And there's also other issues where a lot of these clubs, they have furlough schemes in the UK where you could lay off workers and uh, enter in a furlough scheme where they were furloughed, getting paid by the government. You would get like government funding during that period. And it's like, but then they would also go and like make like $40 million signings. Yeah. Cause wasn't this super league like backed by like JP Morgan, JP Morgan, who also held it, dude. It's so intertwined. they were gonna like once it kicked yeah. off, like it was supposed to give like every team like every four hundred and fifty million. Every team was gonna get uh, so there's like a three and a half billion upstart that was gonna go to the original twelve teams, like the founding teams, and those teams are always going to have a spot, and they were mm -hmm. looking for three more teams to fill, and then there's gonna be a five additional teams that were going to enter the league every year through merit, but that hadn't been. And that's the other thing. It was very bare bones. There was no, there's no real structure to what, how this was actually going to work to, to that point there had, there had been no communication about what are you going to do for referees? Where are these games going to be played? Right. Because the other thing too, is UEFA kind of the governing body of European soccer. Like they, in a sense, like control the stadiums. So like, you can't like, I, it's it would have just been a complete mess, and I'm glad it got nipped in the bud. Um, I think you know we could learn something from <laughs> European sports fans, and that uh, they protested, like they took yeah. to the streets and said, "This isn't happening. Like this is egregious." And in America, we tend to let you know one of the examples, right? Like the Rams just take public and funding move. and move, right? And just and sorry, you know and. That happens so often in American sports, and it shouldn't be the case because at the end of the day, these are billionaires. They're subhuman. They don't have feelings. Um, you do not get a billion dollars by being a nice person, a charitable person. You do it by lying, by stealing, by defrauding, by exploiting labor. 
There, you no billionaire that has ever existed on this planet has gotten to that point through good means. You don't. You just add, you do not amass that an- amount of wealth, like in a good way. You just do not. You absolutely fundamentally do not. You at some point ruin someone else's life, and it's usually many, many people's lives. So don't feel bad for these people. They have plenty of money. The next time that some a team somewhere is threatening to move unless they get public funding for their $800 million stadium that they're going to want a new one in, Braves, uh, in, two, in 10 years, don't do it because it's stupid. <laughs> and, you know, I, I wish I wish that this is a lesson that we learned from. But now it's it's getting crazy, too, because in Germany they have what's called the 50 plus one rule, which is that fans technically own the club they're mm-hmm. so it's like the packers right so like a, a billionaire can't just buy the team and executively make decisions and just you know, change whatever they want like the fans have a legitimate say in how the club is run and how it performs right and people are now wanting to enact that change outside of just germany and make that like the standard right but you know it's it is it was a hell of a story i'm glad it's over shout out to xander bogarts what a, he's my favorite non-philly now because it was that was such a great move um and yeah i think at the end of the day if you have the chance to stick it to a billionaire take you that chance because they don't deserve your respect uh the way i figured out how to kind of interpret everything we tweeted it from uh our soccer podcast it might be coming back from the dead at fc toppins uh it is the big old avengers fight scene and it labels everybody. The only question I have, because we got tweets from it, because it went pseudo-viral for an account that has 14 followers. <laughs> uh, who the hell is Gary Neville, and why were people cackling that he was Ant-Man? Uh, so Gary Neville is a... he's His brother is actually Phil Neville, who also is now the manager for Inter, Milan, uh, Inter Miami. Sorry. Um, and he was previously the women's... Uh, England women's national team. Gary Neville... Very famous player. The Neville brothers played together at Manchester United. Uh, Gary Neville played like with the best United teams under Sir Alex Ferguson, who's like one of the, he's really the best manager to ever like manage in Europe, pretty much. Um, so he's just a very famous player. Now he's a very famous pundit, and he went on a very, very uh, I think really like passionate speech about how wrong it was, and he's been like mischaracterized a lot as like bending too much to United because he's an ex-player. Um, but since they're one of these teams, he was very, very vocal about how terrible it was. Um, so yeah, it's funny that he's like <laughs> Ant-Man just because I don't know. I don't know what, what the specific thing about him being Ant-Man was. I guess it's just that he's Paul Rudd. <laughs> it was <laughs> Look funny at us. to people. Right. Um, but yeah, so good for Gary Neville for, I, I, I agreed with him for once. <laughs> so yeah, if you want a, a pop culture breakdown of it, we tweeted the Avengers it's, battle. It's, it gives you everything you need. Yeah. It really, it's a, it's a good summary of what's, what, what happened. Uh, that was the way I understood it. I was like, okay, these are the bad guys. These are the good guys. You get a, a gist of what's going and on. Cause Gunnersaurus was a mascot for Arsenal. And he's a dinosaur. And he's kind of been like a, <laughs> a meme, right? Like, and it's like, um, actually they, they fired the mascot over the summer and they, you know, they cited to the cover or whatever, mm-hmm. but then they were still making all these big money signings. So he's been like a, almost like a, a martyr in all of this. Gunnersaurus has become like a <laughs> martyr in this, this whole thing because you know, it's a, it's a guy that lost his job at the end of the day. It's funny in a way, but like, yeah. it's also like someone lost their job, you know? And, right. But at this, in the same way, these teams are still spending like tens of millions of dollars 
on players and signing new contracts and things like that. And, you know, how do you justify that? How do you justify laying off 50 people when you're a billionaire, but then a week later buying a player for 50 million pounds? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that was the one thing I heard too. It's it's, it's, you know, like there's no, you can say you lost 400 million, whatever in this past year because of COVID. And that's real. You did lose money. But also that comes with owning anything. It's you could lose revenue. Anything could happen. But also like you're a billionaire. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the Super League because it, it literally took yes Twitter by storm. It was it was the everybody was talking about it. Whether you pay attention to soccer right. or not, everybody was talking about it. Uh, so there's your breakdown of everything with the Super League. Uh, and follow at FC Toppins because. That's where the soccer content's coming. Uh, Our weird news story of the week deals with one of our teams. Everybody, again, taking Philadelphia by storm. Nick Sirianni uh, playing rock, paper, scissors, and Jeopardy with Eagles players to kind of gauge their uh, just overall involvement and, uh, you know, brain skills. And I don't know why it's being viewed negatively. I think it's kind of cool and quirky in a, a different way to, you know. Same, same people that love Doug Peterson's ice cream bit. Yeah, are <laughs> complaining about rock, paper, scissors, and Jeopardy. Um, which I, I was interested because there's obviously just three true outcomes of rock, paper, scissors. But it is it turns out the most common throw is rock and scissors at 35% and then paper at 296 I've I've heard that before that. I've always heard that rock is what people tend to go with right off the bat, which I'm sure there's some psychological reason for it, but I feel like it's just because you start off that right. Right. I, you know, that like, whatever, like just seems like harmless, but like Jeopardy makes a lot of sense. Yes. Like, like, don't they do that with draft prospects anyway? You know, like they have them take, at least these, you think like, they should, they, they have them take these tests. Now, some of them are obviously like more like football based, like mm-hmm. in terms of like their aptitude and stuff, but I don't know. Like, wouldn't you like to know if someone in your team is like, just happens to like just know a lot of trivia and be smart, or at least how seriously they take kind of mundane tasks? I don't know. It doesn't seem that offensive to me. It's like when everyone got upset because he uh, he wasn't a great public speaker in his first interview. It's like, brother, I went to school with a lot of these people that were saying things (laughs) like that, and you were sick every day. You had to uh, do an in class presentation. So why don't you relax? (laughs) Because. Uh, which leads me to the question, which Philadelphia sports athlete do you think would be the best performer and worst performer on Jeopardy? I think Tobias Harris would be really good. Yes. He seems, he's obviously well-read. He's got the book club. You know? um, <laughs> and he reads books. Yeah, I feel like he seems like, he seems like he would be very good. I feel like he would just know lots of random trivia. Worst? it's hard to say who the worst would be because I don't want to call anyone dumb. I guess it would just be someone that doesn't know how to play Jeopardy very well. Or just slow reaction time. Slow reaction time. Um, JJ Ortega Whiteside might not be great. (laughs) Jason Peters might be fantastic because he always false starts. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he's... (laughs) Yeah, he's buzzing in before quick, the question. The, he's read. the one though that he never quite gets it, but you yeah. hear him on the TV like mashing it, like, and he gets he's getting visibly frustrated and is questioning during commercial break if his buzzer is actually working. Yeah, I don't know who. No one strikes me as dumb. We don't have any like, we don't have anyone around that I think is like astute city athletes. Yeah, no one. No one that strikes me as like the dumb blonde, you know, kind of kind of deal. 
I think Matisse would be pretty good. Yeah. As well. He's, you know, Tobias is like understudy. Um, fresh out of college as well. So yeah. it's fresh in his mind. And he just seems like a guy that knows like those like weird, quirky Je- Jeopardy questions a lot that of like Snapple facts. Nobody would, would know. He was definitely a Snapple facts Yes. Um, yeah. I, I was just blown away by people just like bashing it. It was mostly like national media people just trying to stir it up because that's what they do. Um, and that's why you guys should be watching our show instead of people that don't know what they're talking about. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's innovative and it, it, like you said, it's something that like you should be kind of like intrigued by because it's testing like on the fly, just like brain skills. Right. So I had no issues with it. Um, let us know in the Apple podcast reviews who you think the best and worst Jeopardy players would be, uh, in Philadelphia. Maybe we just set up a Jeopardy live stream with Philly athletes. That would be electric. I would watch that. I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, but make sure you guys are following us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at underground PHI. Follow our whole catalog of podcasts at OTV LaxPod, at streamer SZN, at fourth and goal USP, at FC Top Bins. You can follow our, our gambling account at Bet Underground. You can follow Matt on Twitter. At Matt Castarina, you can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Also follow our golf podcast at Get in the Hole Pod. And uh, make sure you check out all the shows we're dropping, including our collab project with Buna Regional High School's Drama Club uh, called Curtain Talk. Just search it on your favorite podcast app. It's been a ton of fun producing that show with them. And uh, make sure you guys check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. Christian's got his Oscars preview ready to rock and roll. It should be up by the time you guys are listening to this with the Oscars right around the corner. NFL draft is right around the corner, which is insane to think about, but at least draft Twitter will kind of go back into the abyss once it's done. Um, and of course, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast, leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know how you feel about the Phillies, you know, through 18 games now uh, as the month of April begins to kind of dwindle away and we get ready for the month of May how you feel about the Sixers going into the playoffs. And of course, what's your go-to rock, paper, scissors move? Uh, Five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too. And you can also check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, and the Odyssey app. And uh, follow the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash undergroundsportsphi. And uh, check out the Pit Stop podcast every morning, 10.30 a.m. right here on Twitch. And we'll be back Later this week, talking about this Phillies series against the Rockies, getting ready to go to St. Louis as well, and then, of course, meeting with the Mets once again. And uh, this show would not be possible without our awesome sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And, of course, the homies over at Tomahawk Shades, Manscaped, and Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. All three websites, same promo code, TomahawkShades.com. Promo code USP gets you 25% off your order at checkout. Manscaped.com, you get 20% off, free shipping, and a big old thank you from your balls. And Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, get 10% off the one-liter bottles of vodka at StatesideVodka.com with promo code USP. You must be 21 or older to purchase, and of course, guys, please drink responsibly. It's been episode number 324 of Underground Sports Philadelphia that lasted much longer than the Super League. For Matt, I'm KB. 
we are signing off. Peace. Oh,